Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. As soon as I arrived in Canada, the Canadian news was dominated by a ethics and compliance misconduct scandal with an organization called Hockey Canada. That is the national umbrella sports governing body for youth and junior hockey in Canada. But this organization had real trouble with sexual assaults happening among either players assaulting innocent victims or coaches assaulting players. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to the now award-winning Compliance into the Weeds, which was recently honored with a W3 for Best Co-Host for a podcast. Today, Matt and I take up the scandal around Hockey Canada and use it to explore who are the stakeholders to your organization, why should they receive protection or not, and how can you begin to change an entire corporate culture. Before we get started with our podcast, a quick word from our sponsor. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better. And dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Welcome to the award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds, winner of a W3 award for best co-host in podcasting. That means it's Tom Fox and Matt Kelly. Matt, welcome back. Hello, Tom. It is good to be back after a much-needed vacation for a while, and I am thrilled that we are award-winning now. The vacation, of course, being the weeds kind of guy you are, gave you a blog post. And I'm somewhat chagrined to admit that you crossed an international line, which we call a border, to find the biggest scandal going on in Canada. So why don't you tell us about this scandal that we haven't heard about Sure. Yeah. Last week with the family, we went to vacation in Canada where I thought maybe I would take a respite from ethics and compliance news. No luck there. No such luck at all. Because as soon as I arrived in Canada, the Canadian news was dominated by a ethics and compliance misconduct scandal with an organization called Hockey Canada. That is the national umbrella sports governing body for youth and junior hockey in Canada. So I think if I understand it correctly, all hockey that is not the professional leagues or Canadian colleges, all other hockey organizations somehow ultimately fall under Hockey Canada. And stop me if you've heard this before, but this organization had real trouble with sexual assaults happening among either players assaulting innocent victims or coaches assaulting players. And what did they do? This went on for years and years. They paid hush money to settle these things and keep it all covered up and otherwise did not change the corporate culture, really, 
until this all came to a very first slow boiling and then quickly roiling discussion in Canada over the summer where a House parliamentary hearing revealed that they had been spending millions of dollars over the years as far back as 1989 to pay off people who were filing lawsuits or raising complaints about assault against Hockey Canada and its officials. And a lot of that went to one specific youth hockey coach who had been molesting players, but other cases involved gangs of youth hockey players who assaulted, I think one was a woman who was basically gang raped at a hotel in Ontario one night. She was intoxicated. The team took advantage of her. There were other cases like that going back as far as 1989. And ultimately, there are at least 50 hockey players or coaches who have been accused of sexual misconduct or assault. At least 25 have been charged. And millions of dollars coming mostly, I think, from player fees are going to defray the legal settlements here. But what had not been happening was any deeper corporate culture change. Finally, this all blew up over the summer and late into the fall here. The acting chairman of Hockey Canada resigned from its board while I was up there. That was a woman named Andrea Skinner. She was the acting director at Hockey Canada or the acting chairman because the prior chairman had also resigned. Other senior league officials at Hockey Canada are resigning. Major sponsors such as Tim Hortons and Canadian Tire, they're pulling their money out. Provincial groups like Hockey Nova Scotia, Hockey Ontario, and Hockey and the rest, they were all cutting ties. And this was lead national news night after night while I was up in Canada. And the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was weighing in, various other members of the Canadian Parliament. It was a big mess. And Tom, what gets to me is that as an American and somebody who does not really play or follow hockey, I hadn't heard about this in particular. But as a compliance professional, all of this sounded familiar to me because how often have we heard of pro sports or semi-pro or sporting bodies generally mishandling sexual assaults and corporate culture? Whether that is USA Gymnastics and Larry Nasser and the U.S. Olympic Committee and its mishandling of USA Gymnastics, whether it is incidents going on at the professional leagues in the NBA or the NFL things happening at specific colleges like at Penn State. Clearly, the athletic world has a problem here that transcends national borders and it's deep and everlasting because it's been going on for years and years. So I think we have a lot to ponder as ethics and compliance officers about what is really happening. What does that tell us about how to change a dysfunctional culture? And I just want to try to put a star mark on that because the week before you left, Yates from King and Spalding announced a report, or the National Women's Soccer League announced a report prepared by Sally Yates and King and Spalding of abuse in National Women's Soccer. Yep. And it, the allegations are just as horrific. These were largely women of an age who could give consent. Nevertheless, they were abused by coaches and other administrative members of teams, rampant sexual abuse and harassment throughout professional women's sports. The cult, we have talked about it. If I could extend it, go back to the Catholic Church scandal and even forward today to, not to pick on the Catholics, Southern Baptist Conference also has had a major public release by a report from Guidepost, the consulting firm, this summer about their sexual abuse scandal and they're hiding it and not having any transparency going forward. The thing that struck me, Matt, and I noticed 
I stumbled upon this first during the Larry Nassar scandal and the Penn State scandal was we had, I won't use the word children, but they may have been above 18 in the university setting. And it made mm-hmm. me rethink what's the purpose of a university. And I really came to the conclusion that we all trust our children to universities and we depend on universities to keep our children safe. And above everything else, that's the biggest function of a university, even more than educating people or granting degrees, and that those two scandals put children, in our minds, at risk. And that now extends to, of course, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, Little League, uh, all type of amateur sports, religion, religious institutions, and that you, you angled or took uh, a little bit different angle, but you ask us to think about the stakeholders. So I really wanted to use that, my thoughts, to really introduce what you thought about the stakeholders of Hockey Canada and how those are different than simply the organization itself, the legacy of the organization, the ongoing need to make money if it's a for-profit organization or if it's a nonprofit, keep going and really explore Who are the stakeholders here? I think that's really where you want to start, because how often have we compliance professionals talked about the need to change a corporate culture? Like oodles of times, thousands of times over the years. I don't even know how many times. And yet we all still struggle with that. And I think maybe the inability of the leadership to really understand what it's supposed to do is one of the roots of the problems here. The organization exists to serve its stakeholders, and I'm not quite sure that a lot of leaders appreciate what that means. If you are a group like Hockey Canada, your primary stakeholders are not the donors, they're not the employees, they're not the provincial hockey associations. Your ultimate stakeholders are the players, and you are supposed to support and protect them. So that's where you would begin. And then how do you create a culture that does support them? Do you give the right tools to be able to report incidents that happen? Do you give the right training? Are you hiring the right people who are coaches or league officials to make sure that they are not actually also predators on the side? Are you enforcing your policies about keeping stakeholders safe? stakeholders being players. You really need to understand that. And I think with a lot of these sporting organizations in particular, they're more acting from a position of self-interest. Their key stakeholder is the group itself. And we are supposed to keep going. And if that means that therefore we pay off these complainants and try to make them somewhat whole and go away, then so be it. And then we, the group, we keep on going. And that's the flaw, I think. That is a misunderstanding or a misalignment of what the priorities of the organization should be versus what the senior leaders think. And I also believe that the longer you are a leader there, the more you start to think that you and your team are the primary stakeholder, not the group. You start acting from self-interest as opposed to selfless interests. Which, if you're a nonprofit, that's the job. It is selfless interest for whether it's religion, it's for your church members. If it's a nonprofit, it is for the recipients of your charitable donations or your charitable efforts, hockey players or food bank participants or whatever it might be. I do think it's a bit different for a for-profit corporation 
because they do have another stakeholder group called investors. And one of their primary missions of a company is to make money. And so I get that it might be a little bit more complicated there, but it's not that complicated in these nonprofit worlds, and especially with these youth sports groups. Like you said, Tom, the primary job here is to keep the primary stakeholders safe. And those are the players or the students or whatever the case might be. And that, that seems to be getting lost. You also talked about, obviously, the need for a cultural change from the top all the way through. And But you were actually able to come up with one idea to start, and that was for management to listen. I could sum it up that way. Yeah. Why do you think it starts with that? And can, if that change is made, can that lead to building out all the minutia that would go into the weeds of having an ethical culture, even in a professional or amateur sports organization? I start with the listen up part because in none of these scandals is actual speaking up part of the problem. There's plenty of people trying to speak up. Think of Larry Nasser and all the gymnasts who were trying to speak up. Nobody listened to them. Or when they did listen to them, they responded in an incorrect way, trying to stifle their complaints, trying to pay them off, trying to brush it under the table. The exact same thing with U.S. Soccer Federation and the women's soccer teams. The exact same thing with Hockey Canada. They always have evidence of complaints and red flags being raised. The speak up part is fine. It, it's the listen up part that is going off the rails. And as soon as the people trying to speak up understand nobody is really listening to my concerns or making me feel heard, then they shut up. Then they or they might shotgun their complaints on Twitter and you have a much bigger problem if you're the corporate leader. It's really about making sure that you are listening to who your key stakeholders are and taking their complaints seriously and trying to build not just an apparatus to help them with an easy time to speak up, but an apparatus that will help you, the manager, respond to these complaints and get to the root cause analysis. Uh, how many times does our friend Jonathan Marks talk about how to do a root cause analysis, really? Do you have the apparatus to get to the root cause of what these complaints are? and then rectify that root cause. A lot of times it's going to be involving firing wrongdoing employees, reporting them to the police as necessary, cooperating with the police. But also I think a big part of it should be being honest and forthright about a lot of this. Go back to the Me Too movement and the non-disclosure agreements in legal settlements and how much of, I don't know, that just stuck in the craw of so many people that Women knew that there were victims out there, that there were predators out there, but they weren't allowed to talk about it because the company had basically strong-armed them into signing NDA agreements. I'm glad to see that in many occasions now, those NDAs are either outlawed by state law or the companies have stopped adopting that. But I think that's a terrible practice. If you are committed to doing right by your players or your students, then you shouldn't be afraid to let all dirty laundry hang out, even if that results in more lawsuits. That might be the case in the short term, but in the long term, if you're letting everything hang out and taking culture change seriously, eventually you will get good staff who are responsive to these complaints and you will weed out these bad actors who are doing some terrible things and then the company 
keeps them around and makes the whistleblowers or the victims go away, usually with a bag of cash. And that's a terrible way to run the company. And that is a, a maintains the dysfunction of the culture. That's the part that needs to stop. In the United States, we tend to focus on the legal system, the amount of compensation paid, what might happen to the perpetrators. Uh, do you get the sense that in Canada, they are maybe focusing on the culture uh, that allowed this to happen, and they may s try to fix things in a way that, at least publicly, we typically don't talk about here in the U.S. in these organizations? I don't know, to be honest. They certainly were talking about culture dysfunction quite a bit for the week I was up there. But like I said, I haven't followed Hockey Canada's scandals closely. It does seem like there are a lot of public officials in Canada now who are very upset with how Hockey Canada has been conducting itself. I know that there is an outside investigation that will result in some recommended governance reforms. The Minister for Sports in Canada has already said that those reforms should be implemented, whatever they might be. I don't think she's speculating in the dark there. I think the minister knows that there's going to be several types of more clarity and stronger governance reforms that we could all probably guess at. And I think that all makes sense. You know, I don't necessarily know that there's any big cultural gap between the United States and Canada on how we all handle this once it becomes public. Like the outrage here is quite high. And I, it feels to me a lot like the Larry Nassar scandal of several years ago here in the United States or Penn State or presumably the women's soccer league soon enough or any other of the like how many sports could we go through and how many sports bodies who have mishandled things in the United States. But always, people always knew about it. People, you know, who knew about this with Larry Nasser? Everybody knew about it. The gymnasts were talking about it. They were talking about it to themselves. They were talking about it to their superiors. And they were talking about it to the sports bodies. And nobody did anything. That's the other part. Everybody knew about it. Lots of people tried to speak up about it. And the organizing body then ignored them or stifled them rather than got its hands into the root cause and trying to change the culture. Wholesale, which means new policies, new people, new tools, new messages from the communications, from the senior executives and from the board. All of that needs to happen. I hope it happens at Hockey Canada. I hope we do better with it in the United States in our own manifestations of this. But fundamentally, it's the same problem, just afflicting different sports. The I'm not sure if I want you to take any more vacations. If one, you're going to be subject to this and two, uh, you have to write about it, then we podcast about it. But uh, we may have to check on Hockey Canada down the road, Matt. I, uh, unfortunately, I think so. I don't think this story is over yet. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance into the Weeds. I've got a special five-part podcast series running on innovation and compliance about the intersection of supply chain and compliance. We take a look at ESG drivers, product compliance, the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act, the Scope 3 Emissions Responses, and Responsible Minerals. This podcast series is sponsored by Ascent Compliance. If you're interested in the intersection of ESG and supply chain, this podcast is the podcast for you. Check it out on the Innovation and Compliance Podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.